welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability podcast. My name is Adam Woodall of Inspiring Sustainability, and today I'm delighted to invite uh, John Core of Smart Ledger um, to join me on the podcast to talk about uh, game changers and how he's being one of them potentially. So, John, welcome. Welcome. Uh, delighted to be on the uh, the vodcast or per- Periscope and the podcast. So, uh, going out all over the social media channels. Um, probably talking about three big things here and elaborating on them. Uh, first of all, we're about to see a massive disruption in um, electric vehicle transport. So we would see in the next 10 years about 90 to 95% of journeys will switch over to electric vehicles. Uh, we have a vision of hundreds of thousands of millions of ordinary citizens generating, storing, trading, selling, using their own self-generated zero carbon energy. Uh, We're working on providing the infrastructure to make all of that happen. So some interesting technological breakthroughs for the more geeky amongst us like me and in the audience. Uh, And also we're here in the heart of the city of London. So there's been a massive disruption in the world of venture capital raising uh, that can help us raise the funds to fuel these disruptions. Right, John. Well, thank you very much for that uh, good uh, overview so people have got a flavour of what they're going to get in the next 20, 25 minutes or so of the podcast. Um, so I was uh, saw John at a conference uh, very recently, actually. It was only this Monday, I think it was. Yep. And uh, this is a man that doesn't hang about, as we will be talking about later on, I think. And so it's fabulous that we've got this all sorted out very quickly. And... So, John, what I'd be fascinated to find out about is um, you've got a big ambition, which is to disrupt um, the both the transport and energy sectors quite considerably in less than a decade. Um, now, some people might go, that sounds a bit crazy, sounds a bit, bit too ambitious, but you uh, have some credibility in uh, the uh, pre-your career in sustainability and low carbon, so tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, as you may guess at looking at me, I'm quite a terribly dull person. Spent um, my life 20, 30 years working in large corporates. Uh, feel free to Google me, check me out on LinkedIn. So I've worked on structuring, uh, restructuring and turning around some of the world's largest multi-billion corporations. I've worked with uh, two of the most famous strategy firms, uh, Alex Partners and AT Carney. And I ran my own strategy firm, Close Quarter, where we've created about 16 billion of shareholder value uh, for large corporations. So that's people like um, AOL internationally, uh, people like Barclays, AXA, so big, large institutions. Um, Earlier in my career, my chairman tells me, don't mention the dates, John, because they make you sound older than you are. Uh, But in the early mid-90s, I worked with the National Grid here in uh, in the UK. So England and Wales was the first large country to bring in a liberalised trading environment for energy. So um, since 93, 94, the UK has been had the ability to um, for people to generate energy at the level of a power station and then trade that on an open market. Uh, so that's quite an innovation. Uh, but back then it was at the unit of massive multi-billion power stations like the Drax power station uh, or the various nuclear stations uh, around the country who bid in the following day. We are about to go through a technological revolution where hundreds of thousands and millions of ordinary citizens can generate energy for themselves. 
uh, trade it for themselves, use it for themselves, or combine with others into cooperatives uh, in order to, well, one, save themselves money and have a much better life. Uh, but we're quite excited about it because it will massively accelerate uh, a zero carbon world where we've replaced much of the transport infrastructure and large parts of the power generation infrastructure with zero carbon alternatives. Fabulous. So, uh, so what? And you've talked about uh, the output of your passion a little bit there, but what's led you to transform yourself from being basically um, a bit of a city boy, in a sense, um, to uh, now doing something uh, which is uh, could be driving and really leading the sustainability revolution. Okay, so most of my background has been in banking and capital markets. doesn't make me a bad person. Uh, and I was doing a speech on a whole set of new technologies, which maybe get on to, uh, called blockchains. And they're the head of uh, strategy and innovation of a very large, one of the largest uh, German industrial companies came up and said they had a vision of uh, a new transport and energy world and did I have any ideas how that could make that happen. Yeah. Um, so I went away from my original purpose was to do a series of disruptions powered by blockchains which might come to, to the worlds of capital markets and banking yeah. and apply those technologies to accelerating a world of zero carbon uh, energy generation, and uh, perhaps most excitingly of all, of um, self-driving cars, or sometimes called um, uh, automated electric vehicles (AEVs). Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so that's given your a bit of the, the, your history and background, and what's bringing us up here. Let's dive into um, what uh, you're going to be doing, what you're planning to create that massive shift that you're talking about. Yeah. So. Um, so the headline numbers for, for you to go to is that an, an AEV, and we'll come on to that, can um, provide transport at about 5 to 10 pence per mile total cost of ownership. And that's an automated... Electric yeah. vehicle, self-driving car. Yeah. So an Uber without the driver. Uh, and we can come on to how that works and how near that is. So those are about 5 to 10 p a mile. Uh, the underground network here in uh, London is about 50 uh, pence per mile. So five to ten times more expensive, uh, and if we look at Ubers, they're around three pounds per mile. So uh, having such new transport available and widely available uh, could massively increase the number of people who are going to move to um, electric vehicles and forsake their petrol and diesel-powered cars. Mm. Um, the second part then is that the economics of generating your own electricity with solar cells and storing in batteries and using yourself have come down dramatically. So if you look at, uh, those are all the purposes, or we would like a, a zero carbon world, but what we're working on is the infrastructure of technology, services, products, devices, to make all of that work at a mass scale of hundreds of thousands and millions of people. Mm. So that's, and that's the, the interesting thing, because a lot of people have been talking about this, that uh, some of these things might be ready for 2030, 2040, 2050. Yeah. But you're talking about this within uh, within the next five to ten years, that, that, that there'll be a mass shift, not yep. just around the edges and in certain pilot places. So what what's going to be creating that mass shift? So... Uh, so what, what changes? I, I, my wife ch uh, chuckles because I end up shouting at the radio and the TV when they say it's, this is all for loonies and 30 years away and you'll never see it in your lifetime. So 
some of you may follow the technology press. Uh, so two of the more interesting companies are Tesla and Google's Waymo Pilot. So uh, out in Arizona, Google have their uh, self-driving car pilots. They're expecting those self-driving cars to be regulated and approved next year. So the future's a lot sooner than people think. Yeah. Uh, people like Tesla are driving uh, hundreds of thousands of miles and soon billions of miles with their cars. Yeah. Um, we've got people like the Singapore government who have approved for next year a uh, uh, self-driving taxis on the streets of Singapore. Right. So it's not 30 years away, it's next, next year. Um, for those who are interested in the transport world, people talk about um, cars, um, self-driving cars at level three. Uh, that's where it does lots of assistance and can brake and change lanes and beep and do all sorts of lovely stuff. Um, it's quite interesting. More interesting than so-called level four and level five. So a level four car within safe zones or designated zones will drive itself. No need for a driver at all. Uh, a level five can go anywhere, no dr driver at all. If you look at level four, uh, and the big German company I'm working with have uh, worked this out, you could go to the big cities, in their case Germany, or here we're in central London, and put the technology down the um, motorways or highways or, or autobahns, depending on your country, very quickly, so that these level four and five vehicles could be operating very soon. Mm. Um, and then it's a tra uh, contrast. Um, I was saying to Adam, I live down in the West Country. It costs about one pounds per mile uh, for me to travel in the uh, first Great Western train up here on the, on a Monday morning. Uh, should I choose to take it? So you could very quickly get a reconfiguration of the transport. So first of all, in the big cities like Zone One, Zone Two in London, as Uber did, just make that available, um, and then down the main motorway and a trunk road networks in the country. So that effectively you start to take journeys in big cities and down the motorways with self-driving cars, mm. and then just pick up a taxi at the end of your journey. Right, right. Um, so all of that infrastructure could be deployed and put in place very quickly. Mm. Uh, I've talked about more expensive technology. Uh, Tesla with Elon Musk are trying to be even more boffany in that they're sticking all the technology on the car. Uh, so they don't even need roads to be dig dug up and, uh, and various beacons put along the side of the roads to make this happen. Yeah. Um, so that makes it quite interesting. Yeah. There's been a spillover then of that into the world of generating your own energy and storing it. So Elon Musk for Tesla built the Gigafactory, which I think had the capacity of the entire world um, for lithium-ion batteries. Um, and that has massively collapsed the price of lithium-ion batteries. And the so what to that is that's about 30 to 50% of the cost of an electric vehicle. Right. Now, the Chinese are building 8 to 10 um, gigafactories at the size of uh, Elon Musk's factory or bigger. Wow. And I think one or two are planned for Germany. So as low as the prices have got at the moment, uh, and people were saying, Self-driving electric or electric cars would make sense at around $300, $400 per uh, kilowatt of battery storage. The prices this year went down to about $130, $140. Uh, with the technology coming in from, or the supply from China and a little bit from Germany, that's expected to fall to $70. So the cost of the electric vehicles are set to come down tremendously right. in their own right. 
Um, and they also have a number of other advantages. So people, um, so I should do a bit of a plug here for an investment bank. You can check a lot of this out with Berenberg Investment Bank, who've done a lot of very interesting investment bank papers around the economics of electric vehicles and cars. Right. So the other part is that these cars are, can be designed to do half a million miles of travel and readily, because they have fewer moving parts and simpler, take that up to a million miles or 1.6 million kilometres if you're in Europe. And you say, why would you want vehicles that, that do that sort of mileage in their lifetime? Well, if you go to shared ownership in cities... Mm. Yeah, that car can be shared by people all day long rather than the 1 to 4% mm. conventional cars get used by. Mm. So between them being much cheaper to build and operate and maintain and much longer lifetimes, the total cost of ownership comes down dramatically. Mm. Um, and then if it's much more convenient and maybe 5 to 10 times cheaper than having your own car, some people may wish to keep them, especially mm. if you're a car nut like mine, um, most, if not all, of your journeys will switch over to these electric vehicles over the next ten years. Yeah. Okay. So that's so that's the uh, that is. That, do you think that's a good summary of the total transport? That's the transport. Yeah. Disruption. And uh, what about the kind of energy yeah. side of things? Where, where's the energy coming right. from to charge all right. these, all these cars? So the other thing that we would like to um, to accelerate. So uh, the the UK has chosen to spend twenty billion pounds. Uh, on building a new nuclear power uh, set at Hinkley, which is uh, not too far from my home in Somerset. Um, I'm sure on a good day I can see them building it there. That's a massive infrastructure um, investment. Um, and then there are questions whether it will actually get built when it should do and not overrun. And um, maybe the issues of having um, poisonous materials around for hundreds of thousands of years. Anyway, that's possibly not my biggest objection. It's just it's too damned expensive and won't turn up for decades. Mm. Much lower cost is to encourage people to have solar cells, which are a lot cheaper, apply um, batteries that are now available and allow people to use that energy for themselves or trade that out onto local grids or the national grid. Mm -hmm. And the cost of those technologies, fueled by innovations elsewhere, uh, but now make it perfectly economic and practical for people to have um, photovoltaic cells in their own home, um, generating that electricity, storing it to batteries and using it domestically um, and then sharing it with their neighbours. Mm. You know, um, a bit of a geeky issue if you're any of you out with, I was speaking at a conference yesterday of national grid operators in Europe. Um, brilliant if you're like the Germans who have spent um, billions on their grid and have uh, fantastic capacity. Um, other countries, maybe like the UK, haven't quite invested to the same level as Germany in our grid. So there are lots of choke points and constraints um, around our grid network, and particularly at a local level, that people say will stop you having hundreds of thousands of cars mm. uh, running around needing charging. But people have n neglected to think about, ah, oh, we could have hundreds of thousands or millions of cars going around with 90 kilowatt energy uh, batteries in them, with mm. the stored energy that you've uh, generated at home mm. and then these can turn up either at home or to charging points yeah. get charged up from those or your neighbours or you can sell your electricity back yes. and that capability so I, I pair the two so generation at home and EVs uh, are like um, that song of uh, 
I should remember the Ginger Rogers song, but fit together anyway, look. <laughs> um, because um, you can generate at home, but the EVs then have a massive capacity to hold charge and either buy, sell, trade that to other parties. Yes. And that gets around the constraints that we have in the local grids, at least in places like the UK. Yeah. Okay, so that's, uh, so that's the energy sort of ambition and opportunity. And so then tell me a bit about, because you've got uh, something that you're thinking about disrupting the financial side of things. And, and also that might help us understand about uh, a little bit about what you're going to do uh, personally with the business that you're, you're, stack, you're building yep. to, to, be, uh, to be part of that disruption of those, the, the transport yep. and energy. So, um, so another technological revolution has gone, uh, is underway at the moment, the so-called Internet of Things. Uh, which are intelligent devices that can communicate uh, out onto the internet and in principle with each other, but they've not really had anything to make that work. And just to get the scale of that, it's expected by 2020 there will be 20 to 50 billion of these IoT devices. Um, All very interesting, but if you look at, uh, if I take um, the fastest uh, conventional banking, uh, banking financial network. So the EMV network of uh, European Mastercard Visa runs flat out at about 5,000 transactions per second. Mm-hmm. And that's serving around uh, a billion active customers around the world, 100, 130 cu- countries. Um, but if you then think to a world of 20 to 50 billion devices, uh, or let's put what we're putting together. We are putting together new financial rails that will run around at least a million transactions per second with around zero cost. Wow. So that would facilitate all of those devices to start uh, communicating, trading, and dealing with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for uh, more people who are interested in these types of things, a, a, a cryptographic wallet on an IoT device, so, which could be a £25 uh, Raspberry Pi. So just like for the non-technicians out there, a Raspberry Pi is a... It was an innovation in England from the old Sony uh, TV factory where for mainly aimed at educational, they had a fully functional 64-bit Unix powerful computer built for £25, sold for about $25 in the United States. And they have a mini version of that, the Pi Zero, that sold for five dollars, or still sells if you want to do those. And it's basically it's like a computer without any screen or keyboard, but it, it's got most of the functionality. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I worked on the biggest mainframes and the biggest systems here in in Europe, uh, and when they were built about twenty years ago. So, the a Raspberry Pi has ten or twenty times the power of, of those core systems, and they used to be in computer rooms the size of a football field. And then you talked about uh, the crypto. All right. And then just so just said to help people get yeah yeah so a wall of information. So uh, one well, you may have heard of the so-called Bitcoin, which is a bit of an exciting uh, innovation. Although market cap of um, Bitcoin is already uh, at about a hundred billion dollars, so it may be small, but a hundred billion dollars is quite large for some people. Yes. Now, that introduced a whole set of new technological capabilities and innovations. So, the first of which is to move value, money, anywhere in the world, point to point to billions of devices, without depending on a central banking, central bank or um, EMV infrastructure. Mm -hmm. 
so you could set up and get trading in in the afternoon if you were so minded. The cryptographic wallets that you can drop onto a Raspberry Pi or similar devices have virtually all the capabilities of a full-service bank. Wow. If you want to put those on, and we could, uh, I'll avoid doing an advert for my company, so that would be naughty. So, if you can get your heads round um, a twenty-five-pound Raspberry Pi having the capabilities of HSBC Bank and be able to trade with billions of people around the world or twenty to fifty billion IoT devices on its own. That is quite a staggering technological revolution. So what we're working on is providing products and services to make that work. Mm. So we already have a trading platform designed for um, EVs and charging points that would run out over a million transactions per second. Um, So that technology, that capability is here now. Mm. So. Maybe we're a bit ahead of the curve, but um, given the earlier conversation, we think the day uh, the the um, the appearance of mass electric vehicle transport is a lot sooner than people currently anticipate, and then then these objections that they can't possibly trade with each other or move value have disappeared, and that that's where I come. A purpose of our mission with Project Zero Coin, uh, Zero Carbon, is to provide the infrastructure and services to make that world happen. Yeah. Um, some of them for ours, but we are attracting big partners who share our vision. So Project Zero Carbon uh, is aimed at getting uh, like-minded individuals and firms to build out that service infrastructure to make all of this happen. Brilliant. Okay, great stuff. And then one of the things is that the obviously this is a big project, which will need big money to be able to make it motor, yep. uh, if you pardon the, uh, the pun. Something I'm aware of is that you've got some quite uh, interesting ambitions about how you're going to create uh, that money in your yep. business. So, uh, I suppose offline, and we might put no- notes around disruptive innovation and how it happens, but uh, what happens traditionally is somebody invents a new piece of technology, but it can take 5, 10, 20 years for people to figure out how to use it, and then it disrupts industries. Mm. So, Tim Berners-Lee in the early 90s invented three or four new um, internet protocols, uh, but it was a few years later before Jeff Bezos figured out what you could do with these commercially, and then launched Amazon. Um, so one of the industries we were jumping on. So I was looking at a series of disruptions that occur, and one of which is to the world of venture capital. So already this year, ICOs, which is an innovation based around um, blockchains underneath have raised over $4 billion in venture capital, mm. so uh, which is more than the traditional VC industry does if you go out to Silicon Valley out on the West Coast. Mm. Now, we've been working on, now there's been a lot of discussion about have they been done in an SEC regulatory compliant manner and lots of discussions around it. So I am intending to raise around $30 million by what's known as an ICO security. Uh, An ICO stands for Initial Coin Offering. Right, okay. So um, that's worth a podcast in its own right. (laughs) But what it allows the people who are listening to here is it is quite difficult to get money out of Silicon Valley. And I've had a business doing that earlier this year. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it's a bit like dog beggy dog for them to give you the money for your innovation. What ICOs do is unlock the value of that. And they're already huge, $4 is interesting. Mm. 
Yesterday, I was with a bank who may partner with us in the new year. They think with ICOs as securities that that four billion will grow five x, ten x, fifty x, and then that's more interesting because globally, if you've got an innovative idea around sustainability,、uh, probably one of the biggest things is holding you back is the absence of funds to make it happen.、Mm. So.、Um, Here we're in the heart of the city of London. So there are several trillion dollars、um, at the moment on deposit at zero or negative interest rates. So creating a new avenue for investors and get all the security of their investment wrapped around that, that they could invest in sustainable or disruptive projects to power a zero carbon world.、Mm. Uh, mainly for their investors, they want to get a return, so it's got to be better than you get at the moment. But we feel that can unlock huge amounts of、um, disruption over the next five years. Brilliant. And what are you able to reveal, Sam? What your、uh, short-term ambitions are? All right. So,、uh, well, we have some that we can do immediately. So, in the first quarter next year, just on really simple tech, we would like to get out into the market with. If I take the UK, there's about a million people who've registered under、uh, who've got solar cells and are part of the government scheme. Yeah. For renewable energy,、uh, we have some simple low-cost、um, battery technology that they can apply to that. That can make that earn them more money or save them more money, and at low cost and fit it to them.、Mm. Uh, the bank I was talking to yesterday was to get them to say,、uh, "We'll see how far we get with this one." That they would provide the funds to buy those batteries so that we could get those installed at zero cost to the person. Wow! So. I know people are suspicious. No such thing as a free lunch, but in principle, you could provide、uh, the batteries, get them installed,、uh, and the people get free energy or time shift to、uh, take their solar energy and use it when it's most expensive. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and the investors get a return on their money. Yeah. So we like to think it's a win-win-win all round. Brilliant. So I think we're going to be coming,、uh, trying to、uh, close because、uh, it's certainly making my Brain expand hearing all this information. I'm sure for the for the listeners and and the viewers who've been on the、uh, periscope with us,、uh, they've been both fascinated and probably blown away by it.、Um, so, is there any kind of like final kind of comment that you'd like to leave、uh, before we、uh, wrap up this conversation?、Uh, probably two small things. One, we will be publishing、uh, what people call a white paper with this in. Thirty, fifty, or hundred pages for detail, and maybe sister papers explaining the technology for those who are interested.、Um, but then the second one is a call out. So、uh, I should admit that our passion for zero carbon is somewhat ideological. So I would like to have a zero carbon world, have low cost electric transport, and and take poisonous vehicles off the road. It's a bit of a passion of mine. So if you share some of those as an individual. Please do get in touch with me on LinkedIn or Twitter.、Uh, if you're an industrial or software company and share this vision, of which there are a few around,、uh, please get in touch because we're not so vain to think that we're going to invent and deploy everything. What what we have is the backbone or infrastructure to make all of this work,、yeah. and then we are working with other industrial companies to plug their things in. Yeah. So for for me, it's somewhat ideological to advance the zero carbon agenda,、uh, but clearly they want to make their company or products five x, ten x more valuable. So what's there not to like about it? Brilliant. So if you can just remind everybody how they can find you then online. So、uh, 
So, well, on the website, which we have, we have a website, zero carbon, so zero-carbon.io. Right. I should be adding uh, uh, easy-to-use contact pages, so shame on me. Uh-huh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as John P. Core, J-O-H-N-P. Core, and uh, Google me and connect to me on LinkedIn. So uh, there's a choice there. I'd love to hear from you. And that's called C-O-R-R. C-O-R-R, for those who are not familiar with the Irish singers or um, the Gaelic <laughs> football team of Tyrone. Right, wonderful. So, brilliant. I, I mean, I've really enjoyed this, and it's, it's a perfect example of the, uh, the Game Changers theme that Inspiring Sustainability is all about. And so I just uh, really wish to thank John for his time and his, uh, his passion and his wisdom and his forward thinking. I uh, wish to thank uh, the, the listeners and viewers uh, for uh, being with us on this. And you can find uh, more of this on the, uh, the website, inspiring-sustainability.com. You can also find me, Adam Woodhall, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Just type those in, you'll find me. And until the next time... Uh, I'm wishing you uh, health and happiness uh, and I look forward to hearing uh, if you can provide me with comments about how you're inspiring sustainability. I'm very happy to also cover uh, you if uh, you've got something that's very interesting. So this is Inspiring Sustainability. Thank you.